Rob, do you want to record like for the intro that story you were in the middle of telling me when he came back? What the fuck was I even talking about? The Twitter. You're talking about the the dude from Impulse. Oh, Cal from- Gallner. Yeah. I, to be honest, I'm so like tired and drunk. I'm just. Kidding. I don't think I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good. That's as good of an intro as any. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Podcast X, episode 24. I'm your host, Ben Kendrick, joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hi, Ben. I'm drinking a rum and coke um, because I'm celebrating. Do you want to know why? Why? I'll tell you why. I'm taking my first full week off since 2015. Here you go, baby. I don't believe it. I think you'll... uh, Oh, man. That was like... Was, so was the last time that you took uh, took time off was when you and Anna did that like road trip? When we yeah work had me cancel my normal wedding, so we didn't. <laughs> oh man, what is my life? Uh, we got eloped, so we did like a two or three week road trip out west, and uh, yeah. that was the last time I took a quote unquote v- vacate hol- hol- What do you call those things? Vacate? I don't know. One uh, of those things. Holiday. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. Drinks. Amazing, amazing. Well, I'm glad you're. Uh, I'm glad you're taking some time off. I hope you actually get to take that time off and you don't get pulled on, pulled yeah, online. Yeah. Me too. Um, and we are joined by special guest Kofi Outlaw. What's up? You know, I I went corporate. I get regular vacations. Paramount's an excellent company. We were just uh, voted one of the great places to work. We get hey. unlimited now. We now have a nice hippie system where we get unlimited time off. Hey, mm. stand up and ask That's for it. Good. You know? Yeah, <laughs> do they always say yes? Rob and I were having that conversation the other day about uh about work life work life balance. <laughs> I think I think Kofi and I are on the healthier end of work life balance, and uh, Rob, you're lagging behind him. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree. I think I've aged. Boy, if you, if you guys saw me, you're like, what's all that gray hair? I'm like, shit, that guy yeah. aged. <laughs> I was looking at pictures of myself before I started working in Montreal the other day, and it was like, I was like, no gray hairs. And now it's like my entire like beard is gray. <laughs> <laughs> like I have like the Doctor Strange, like, or oh, rogue, like white streaks in pepper. my hair and stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. I got that going on. Um, all right, guys. Well, this is going to be the last podcast. It's not a gray hair on my head. Oh, yeah, man. I guess you. Yeah, well, I got to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. I just <laughs> no, not really. But uh, I just haven't been stressed. I mean, that's a good thing. Sometimes, you know what? I just went zen one day. I was like, man, if I don't have to do everything, I don't have to do everything. Yeah, uh, you kind of did get sort. Of, I feel like you did get kind of zen, man. I feel like I feel like, and I feel like it happened like three or four years ago. Like oh, we were having a conversation. Fucking nuts! I was a, I was an absolute mess three or four years ago. Are <laughs> <laughs> you fucking kidding me? I've gotten my stuff together like the last year and a half, maybe. maybe. Okay. Pandemic. All right. Yeah. Maybe my timeline was off. 
No, after um, the, I came out of the. I mean, I've, I came out of the pandemic stronger than most. I, I mean, I was a mess during the pandemic, and then I got it all together again. And I pulled it all together. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, good yeah, for you, no, man. That's yeah. good. 2018, 2019, I was just having, to, uh, yeah, I had a new, <laughs> newborn. I was, yeah, things were not good. That's fair. That's was, fair. That's fair. I was stressed. Um, but uh, you could drink in the comic book offices, which we were just talking about the other day, actually. It was a little more yeah. madman up in there. So we kept it nice. loose. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Let's sprinkle nice. in some of those stories. Some kid was talking, <laughs> yeah, our head of gaming was talking about the day he started and walking in and, and me casually walking by his desk in the middle of the afternoon and being like, hey, man, I'm making margaritas. You in? And he was, like, where am I? <laughs> he was just like, where That's am awesome. I? Yeah, are you guys, are you guys, That's are you back Paramount. to the office? Our, uh, yes, we okay. Are. okay. But this was the uh, old company, not Paramount. So let's just be clear yeah. about that. Are you yeah. going in? Are um, you going in every day? I go in when I need to escape my house and, and yeah, the kids right. who are now on Christmas break. I that. Yeah, so I was in yeah, yesterday. I but yeah, I get that. I also go in Fridays, and a lot of days I'm the only person in our sector of the office. For, so I have like the entire right. office to myself, yeah, which was hilarious. I nearly made a security girl pass out the other day. She didn't realize I was there. She knows me, but I came around the corner and she thought she was dead for sure. She grabbed me to the wall and she was like, oh, oh. like, easy, it's just me. Yeah. Uh, shit, that's funny. Yeah, but that's dope. Um, At first I was like, it was lonely, but then I started doing like the risky business and I was like, this shit is amazing. Like, I have a whole office media room, like, yeah, multi million dollar looking over, looking at Titan Stadium, you know, downtown yeah, Nashville. That's cool. Real nice. That's yeah, good. it's that's not cool. a bad gig. It's not a bad that is gig. cool. The, uh, you got a bunch of young kids who are like, you know what? We've discovered during the pandemic that working from home is superior. We're not coming in anymore. I was like, motherfucker, I was there like 10 years like, ago. <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready. And in another like, 10 years, we'll be ready to venture back out and be like, I wish I had a multi-million dollar office to like sometimes go into. Yeah, yeah. But, that uh, was yeah. that's definitely one of the things I miss uh, about my time in Montreal. I do miss the I do miss being in the office. That was one of the things that like our uh, Rob and I's like old boss told you is like, He's like, you're gonna miss working in an office, and he's uh, he's, he was right about that. I do miss it. Yeah, I was always uh, like always the uh, big, you know, champion of the, of the remote model. Um, yeah, yeah. However, kids do change that. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Especially when they're at home during <laughs> yeah. a pandemic, yeah. it's like, yeah. god damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's real hard to do stuff, and now I have to do it pretty much every day. I, I, yeah, uh, yeah, I uh, We're between schools and. Yeah, it's nuts. You got to go in. That's it. And uh, that's challenging. Yeah, I mean, it helps now with driving because they're a little older and they're going to daycare and going to school and we're hopefully getting out of this pandemic, like hopefully. Um, Yeah. But I moved houses during the pandemic, during the worst probably time market-wise, just so I could have like a separate studio basement and build a studio here for the reason of just getting away from the kids and literally putting up a gate so they can't come down the stairs. So that's helped a lot. But um, yeah, it's, the kids are the, are the X factor hundred percent. Ashley today was talking. She was, uh, she went over to her parents' house because like they canceled Flynn's daycare because of the, because uh, of how cold it was here and stuff. And yeah, same on the roads and whatever. And, uh, <laughs> And she's like, man, like, it's hard to get worked at. Like, like my mom was watching her, but like, it's still really hard to get worked at. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, tell me about it. This is what I tell you all the time when you guys like show up after daycare. The, and like, she wants to see me and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's like I can't get it. Once they're there, I can't get anything done. But that's um, 
love them and everything. But uh, all right, well, <laughs> this is going to be our last podcast probably of 2022. Um, we're going to be talking Avatar The Way of Water. We'll review that one for you guys. And we'll be talking about our top three favorite movies of, uh, of 2022 as well. So we'll start off with Avatar and then we'll slide into our, our end of year list. Then we're going to take a little bit of time off. Like Rob said, he's going to... He's going to hang out. Kofi's got unlimited PTO. So we're, uh, we're all going to enjoy some time with our families. We hope you will too. Um, but we couldn't, we couldn't end 2022 without, oh, I mean, uh, now without, that I hear you guys are taking time off. Now I got to like work even harder while you guys are taking time off. Oh, that's true. I know. Oh. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, all right. So yeah, let's get started. Um, who, who is the biggest avatar fan? I feel feel like it was rob i don't know man who didn't kofi review this one i forget like uh back in the day yeah right did you review this kofi back then uh let's just the old guy did this one i forget screen rant yeah i don't remember if yeah i don't remember if this uh, this sounds like it was vic (laughs) it was vic holtraman uh does james cameron's avatar Movie li- live up to the hype and expectations. We'll tell you. He was a big Aliens fan too, right? So this yes. makes sense that he would. So he gave it. Uh, James Cameron still has it. It's the most visually amazing film I've ever seen. Um, nothing like this has ever been done on screen. It's true. Oh, uh, wow. Vic actually nailed one. There you go. Yeah, he got a four out of five on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, 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 that works. Yeah. Um. um Anyways, we talked about it last week a little bit about like, yeah. you know, we had the Our conversation about the yeah, expectations, that's it, and, and excitement and how that measures against this after, you know, what's now a 13 and 14 year gap or something, which is wild to think about, man. We fucking yeah, old. Crazy. Um, but yeah, the first one I saw in theater three times, like with different groups. And I, you know, it, it was a pretty magical theatrical experience. And um, certainly there was a lot of negativity about the, <laughs> you know, it's dancing with wolves and blue people, that kind of stuff. The fern but, uh, of it all. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, the, but Holy I, he wrote the longest thing in this crap. Oh, wow, dude, that's pretty. Yeah. This it is, is a really, really long review. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, he's talking to somebody. It's not like a review. It's like him talking in a conversation with himself. It's very strange, but yeah, man, the, over there. I'm sorry. That's all eight. Long. The 07 to 09 era was very, like, very wild, personal bloggy. There'd be reviews like that, which are thousands of words, craziness. Then there'd be articles you put up that were, like, one sentence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just absurd. It's true. How many words are in this? That's insane. I was just just looking. So it is – oh, hang on. It has – uh, oh I don't know. It's not pulling. It's not pulling this up. Hang on. I'll. I will figure. Yeah, it out. That's all good. It's a lot. I can tell. It's a lot. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's over. It must be close to two. Like it's got to be at least fifteen hundred words. Yeah. At least. Yeah, you could tell he came out of that movie with like a lot, of, a lot of feelings. Um, all the thoughts. Oh, uh, it is eighteen. Yeah. It is eighteen hundred and twenty-five words. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. beefy for wow. back then. Yeah. That's like two times a Ben Kendrick or Kofi Outlaw review. <laughs> yeah, good yeah. solid a thousand. So a good solid a thousand is pretty pretty weird. Yeah, that's still the that's the sweet spot. I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, um, 
Sorry, we derailed oh, sorry. you. Yeah, 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 we completely derailed you. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I was, I was just bringing up the conversation from last week. You were trying to figure out who – I'll go first then since we're talking about Avatar 1 a little yeah. bit now. Um, yeah. I just rewatched Avatar 1 in because I hadn't seen it in many, many years. I saw it three times in theater and I probably saw it once at home sometime in the five years after. But So it's been a decade, yeah. right? And so I wanted to see – I was curious how – you know for a movie that's so reliant on, on – um, post VFX and, and CGI and stuff like what does that look like now? Cause that's the stuff that always, always gets dated. Of course. Right. It's, it's the, uh, the Phantom Menace problem versus the Jurassic parks, which do hold up. Right. So, um, and it, it truth be told, like at least watching at home on a 4k TV, it does mostly hold up and, and, uh, it's, it's still pretty enjoyable. Maybe having that 10 year gap helps. Um, but my, my gripe with the first one still holds true. And it's, it's, it's for me, it's an infuriating gripe. I'm sure many share it. It's the the military guys, right? It's the yeah. uh, but this time, yeah, I, I that's it's kind of like watching Transformers the first time. The little Michael Bay humor bits like drive me fucking crazy. But I love the movie so much. I saw it over and over again, and seeing it the second and third time, I don't care about that. I just love yeah. the stuff I love. And Avatar is the same way. Once I can get past the uh, that military guy who keeps saying "Come get some," like <laughs> I find it fucking hilarious, and I was laughing out loud watching Avatar One at like how corny and over the top they are. Even from the moment Jake Sully rolls off that shuttle into the base and he's got the face mask on, and the guys are like like fist bumping, they go, "Look at this guy! Look at this guy!" And it's like, man, really? It's like, <laughs> like what year is this? Um, so fast forward, it was good to watch that going into this one because there's a lot of. Um, it's weird for, for having a 14 year gap. It's interesting because the movie also skips many years ahead. Um, but in terms of like the, the factions and the characters in the film, there's a lot of carryover, even to the, des- the designs of the ships that are coming back to Pandora and the shuttles that are coming down and, and the creatures and all that stuff. So that was interesting, but here, let me, let's talk about Avatar two or Avatar, the way of water. I'll start with the technical part where it's, where it's going to get all, and I mean all of the Oscars it should, right? Um, there's an interesting thread I saw online about how much work went into that one little moment when Jake is wrapping the leather strap around his wrist to when he's learning to ride that sea creature for the first time. Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's that one little shot is three seconds. Three seconds out of what is reportedly nine hours of footage they shot for the first one or two films or whatever. And like the amount of like there was like a stunt actor did that scene and they rotoscoped it and they did this blue thing and they matched it to like the performance of of Sam Worthington, like all, all of this work in multiple studios and VFX houses came together to do three seconds of footage of a guy wrapping his harness around his hand, the same way I yeah. would do in a horse. Isn't that crazy? So yeah. that speaks like that. That's that's the whole film, right? Um, it's incredible as an achievement. And I remember, and I, I could be pulling numbers out of my ass, but I think I remember going to like Disneyland for the Guardians of the Galaxy tower ride or whatever and they were just coming off opening the avatar park at the other side disney world and for the opening they had james cameron and zoe sedana there and i think at that point in time they had just finished or wrapping up shooting avatar one and two that was five and a half years ago isn't that crazy crazy. so that much time in this many vfx houses and weta digital doing alita battle angel in the meantime to develop water technology they used in this film after they'd already shot it it's just insane. Like the achievement alone is just mind blowing. And you see it when you first sit down and if you're watching it, you know, if you can do it, you have to watch it in IMAX or AVX or some sort of high format. Right. Yeah. You're seeing it in, in the high frame rate, which to me was a massive failure with the Hobbit. I hated it. But in this film, as jarring as it is for the first 30 minutes or so, yeah, it kind of clicks after a bit because it's, it's so well rendered 
and the detail level from Avatar 14 years ago to the way of water now on like the Navi people and the sea creatures and the way they move water um, and the wide shots, it's, I do not know how it's possible. They have cracked the code. The close-ups of the Navi in at night when there's fire burning beside their face and you see the reflections of the fire in their eyes and the skin, to, to them underwater, to them above water, at any time of night, any lighting sequence, they look real. Their skin looks real. They've done it. Um, it just takes half a billion dollars uh, in 14 years or whatever. But it, yeah, so so like that's just something we should talk about because this movie not only brings back 3D, which I haven't seen any movie in 3D in a long time in theaters, I feel like. Yeah. Um, it does the high frame rate thing. So they've rendered twice as many frames for this. Um, and I was worried about that, but it actually worked. And thinking back on it now, when I think about all the visuals and moments of the movie, you kind of forget the weird frame rate and you get used to it. The same way I would say I'd forget subtitles when I watch you know, I'm, Ben, I told you I'm watching Dark now on your recommendation. Yeah. I don't, when I, you know, obviously when I watch anything with subtitles, I remember the previous episode, I don't think of like reading subtitles. I think of their emotions, their cadence, their voice, and those words. It all just blends together the way the brain yeah. works, right? It's the same way with this when I look back on it. So this is a movie I'm absolutely going to go back to, uh, to watch again, to appreciate those little moments because it is three plus hours. That's part of the selling point of this event film on top of the 3D, on top of it being the sequel to the biggest movie of all time, on top of the frame rate. Um, technical masterpiece. Now the story. Um, I think not unlike the first one, the overall themes and the plot I think are pretty familiar. It's rather simple. Um, but it, obviously it's the delivery and the execution that make it worthwhile and notable and exceptional. And to be honest, like in the marketing materials going in, and, and Kofi's tweeted about this, I think it prepared me for it, but I was worried about the focus on the children um, going into this, uh, especially given what happened in the first film. Um, and the children characters, both Jake Sully's family and, and the children we meet with this water tribe, they actually carry the weight of the screen time. Um, and I thought they were actually wonderful. Um, and sure, those are the usual tropes that annoy me of like the bullies and the young child is frequently put in extreme danger or, or the gifted child who stands out and is bullied. It actually kind of works in the in, over the course of the three acts. Um, and overall, I love that expansion to the lore uh, of these Navi people. We're seeing, we're getting out of the tree and we're seeing like different types of Navi who've evolved differently um, and all the creatures that go with it. Gone are the Ikron, you know, the dragons of sorts. And, and right. now we see the sea creatures. And I don't know the name of them. Do you know, Ben? Like, I just forget them. Uh, I have that. Nobody down. knows the names. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, this I, is the fucking sea things. <laughs> the Kukon. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool. It, it worked. I was... cones for my cuckoo cons and my, yeah. you know. <laughs> I think Natiri is the one character who keeps the the, the flyer, um, which is cool because she's like yeah. the, the marksman warrior. But um, it, it, it was necessary for the for the action sequences to, 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 to not ground them per se. It's the wrong word, but to keep them close to the water, you know, um, and out of the air. Um, but yeah, you know what? So, so that worked for me. And my gripes, again, are the same as the first one. They bring back the, literally the same army team. Um who inexplicably, well, maybe not inexplicably, but they have custom-made tactical gear for their larger bodies, uh, including one of them wears <laughs> one of them wears sunglasses, and I'm like, Don't, are these things not evolved for this planet? Like, why the fuck do they have sunglasses? Why would a Navi's eyes ever require that? Um, it's just so, <laughs> so right away, I'm like, oh god, here we go. This is the James Cameron thing. This is his weakness. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a bit goofy that Earth. We can talk spoilers, right? Earth like downloaded backups of all these characters to like generate, I don't know, what yeah, permanent man. 
permanent alien clone bodies to bring all the same characters and the same antagonist back. Um, the hoops that this movie jumps through to like bring actors that James Cameron just wanted to work with again back is like, I mean, yeah. those are two of the most distracting things in the movie, I would say. And I actually like Sigourney Weaver's like character, same. but it like I like that. And I, I mean, Sigourney Weaver, you know, does a great job, but it is weird to hear her voice coming out of a, you know, like, 12 year old kid or whatever you know what it was very noticeable and recognizable i think it's supposed to be given what she represents yeah. as this miracle right, baby right. of sorts it kind of it kind of works she is that right and she came yeah, from that yeah. body too so but it, it mostly works for me they did a good job making it sound youthful um yeah the way she spoke right and yeah. um so, that character journey is pretty wonderful i'll say one more thing so so um and the other gripe is also the same as the first movie where like they had the uh, uh, unobtainium in the first film. And this one, we have another multi-million yeah. dollar natural resource. The, the, how many brain juice. Are gonna, yeah, yeah. How, brain how many these, enzyme. Brain enzymes, yeah. I think they said it literally makes you immortal or some shit. You just don't stops die. Aging it, it stops aging It stops Cuban aging, yeah. yeah. yeah just, cool. Which could how be, they figure uh, that out. It could be cool <laughs> because for some reasons, several reasons, it could, I, and I kind of wrote about this about uh, when the film first came out, there's things you can do with that that I could understand. Like, that switching MacGuffins might not be the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, But like you said, there is a whole... uh, I'm interrupting you, but uh, I'll just wait till you're done. But uh, yeah, I just got to put that... I do want to hear more on that. I think it's the idea of the anti-aging, given what's happening on Earth, is very fascinating. And also, given what James Cameron is potentially teasing about them going to earth in avatar five, which by the way, producer John Londo says it's not true. So I don't know what to believe anymore, but um, (laughs) yeah. So I'm sure Cameron has like thousands of pages of ideas. Um, Yeah. I'll just end with this thing. The the, the third act set pieces and coming off the, I'm trying to think the last big blockbuster I saw, we talked about, it's probably like black Panther. And it comes to mind because we talked about the third act being on that weird, like sea ship. Right. Yeah, the third act in this film is like visually incredible. They do a pretty good job of like the the whole whaler action sequence with Corridge and the Corridge and Jake fight in the fiery sinking ship is like yeah. beautifully shot, well, very well done. And the way they the way they navigate having all these different characters come together and then they get stuck drowning, it was very well handled for a complicated scene. Um, and the way they came out of that after an emotional moment, I thought was pretty pretty well done. So I was, it's a very satisfying film. Um, I agree with you, Ben, that going into this, it's hard to kind of get hype for this because it's like, it's been so long. It's three, four hours. You know, you kind of know what you're going to expect. And it absolutely delivers on what you'd expect from the Avatar sequel. And to me, that's awesome. That's good enough. Like that, that's a tough feat to accomplish with this much money and time. And and to me, they did it. So, um, Kofi, I want to hear your point though about the, uh, the new MacGuffin. Okay. Well, uh, hold on. I need a drink. Um, I was just saying that, yeah, there's things you can do with that aging, whether it's people going to Earth or how Earth can now get to Pandora, kind of like, because that trip takes a long-ass time. They don't need cryo-sleep, all the stuff they go. can do without while being awake. It's kind of fucking terrifying, all the shit they could build and do. Um, there's a lot you could do with it. So I wasn't too mad about that. And this one had better stakes because, you know, they're killing whales to get it. So... Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and like, instead of just being on the planet, but um, I will say that that is my criticism. Like similarly to what you said, like this movie does jump through so many hoops to kind of do kind of the same thing, but not, but switch it around and tweak it just a little bit. And mm-hmm. I kind of get why in a sense it's because, you know, this is 
a, a sequel, but it's also kind of like a direct sequel in the sec- sense that it's like a soft reboot, right? It's like it's been 13 years. This is kind of like a soft reboot. And so there's a new status quo that we have to establish. And this movie is largely just about establishing that new status quo. I mean, the last line of this movie is something like it's hilarious. I mean, trying to go for a thematic point when it's really just the pilot episode of a new avatar, like theatrical series. Um, yeah. But it's just like, I've just realized I've, I, I can't run. I just got to stay here and fight. And it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> done that before they like wiped out your entire home. Like, yes. And, and we yeah. all knew this the entire, you know, the entire time, you know, cause we've all seen a movie before, but uh, sure. But like, yeah. <laughs> Um, good for you, but it's like all we did was set the new status quo, right? Like it's a pilot, like I said, yeah. pilot episode. We just uh, now know that we're gonna be see we see people now. Now we gonna fuck shit up on the oceans because this is where James Cameron really wanted to be. And even when he went up into the mountains, he still made it like waterfalls in the sky and shit because he can't let it go. So now <laughs> he gets to play underwater for real. Um, so now he gets to play underwater for real. And like you said, the visual the visual feat of cracking the uncanny Valley in so many ways is stuff. I don't think people are going to like, we're all going to absorb because what James Cameron did the first time in that movie was get us to even just accept the idea of people swapping bodies and hopping into blue people and blue people existing and being long cat like people. And that was like just getting our minds around that. I mean, he did that so well that motherfuckers thought they were going to live on Pandora forever. And we're having Pandora related depression. You know what I, I mean? It's hundred percent true. Yeah, and yeah, there's been and so many. Like, there are kids growing up with dissertations at universities about the psychology of that. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, so now he's just finally taking it underwater. And like Rob said, he did it. I mean, again, and if you're anybody who's played games or studied or does what we do and studied like the path of computer visual effects, especially our age group who has seen it, like go from like shit you watch now, like even T2 and you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> like what the fuck? I can't yeah. see the box computer, like a box shaped computer. They render this on like over the course of like two years. <laughs> Smoking. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like into where we are now. It's like, it's pretty, it, it, it is pretty insane. And I think in, there is ways that this movie is almost completely like hilariously beat for beat, like another avatar avatar is now, because instead of like having a patchwork, other things like Pocahontas and dances with wolves and shit. Now Avatar can just such a myth. It can just patchwork itself. can <laughs> like, just make itself yeah. out of its own bits. Um, yeah. That's basically what they do in this. And so like, but um, there, I say all that to say that like when you got, there was this, that part in the first one, when Jake bonds with those, the uh, flying creatures. And then he goes on that first flight. Right. And they previewed that because I remember I was one of the first people to go up and like see that preview and do it in New York. And that was one of the scenes they showed you was yeah was uh, they showed you like what a human to avatar transfer was and how that looked when Jake first woke up. But they also showed you that flight on one of those kind of winged creatures, because that's the moment when you're like, oh, fuck, like that movie magic moment. Right. Where you're just kind of like, oh, shit, this is like this is something like impossible and I know it's impossible, but like my brain is like totally buying this and like, it's amazing. And they do it. And this movie does it again. Right. When they take that first, when the kid, uh, 
Loak or whatever his name is. Yeah, Loak. Kind of finally, yeah, yeah Loak. Um, when he finally gets that, you know, that sea thing and same thing with Jake when he finally gets his dive thing, and they do that, and you know, like you said, the strap on the hand and everything. I, I was obsessed with that hand, so I, I didn't know the story about how much work they put into it, but. I can see it now and it worked because I literally left the theater talking about that fucking hand. That's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. I was like, I'm not sure that James Cameron didn't really find a fucking blue person. was just like, look, we're not going to like, we're going to keep it cool. We're just going to take this shot of your hand real quick. Let us just use this. So real. Cause like, I, I I feel it. Cause I've, I've literally done that on a horse and the way they make it work with an alien creature on an alien planet with an alien person. It's like, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like, yeah. And when they dive through that water and like they're swimming underwater, like, yeah. And like, and I was in a, like a really Dolby IMAX theater. Yeah. And it's not just that he, yeah, he makes high frame rate actually feel you forget about it. It is jarring at first, like it always is. But then like you, you forget about it quickly. The only, my only criticism was I think he went a little too ambitious with high frame rate because there are moments when there's shots where you can't focus everything together and yeah. like you can't possibly do it just because filmmaking and so, or shots where he had to splice different kinds of shots together from different cameras and some of them can hold the high frame rate well and some of them can't. And so you would have these like weird kind of moments where certain things look like they were kind of like wigging out in high frame rate yeah. and like the background, no, but, um, I found that a lot in the uh, in like kind of like the final fight and scenes where like there were actual people and then like they were mixed with the CGI environments yeah. and effects. Like I felt like that final like the final battle in in particular where there's like the flames and the you know like Natiri is like like you know throwing human people around. Like that was one of the times where the it was moments like that where the high frame rate kind of. St- was jarring to me like okay this is actually not syncing up like it's kind of jumping between feeling like it's high frame rate and then also feeling kind of disconnected and but uh that was when i noticed that the most at least yeah i think I mean, that's what you were kind of saying it's like and just to be clear like these i mean it had its moments but it was like never above like the the, the times that i'm like okay like any movie i'm watching is like you know has moments that where my brain's like okay yeah for sure like for here sure. they're obviously like doing this edit or cut away so you didn't have to do that or that body's obviously a crash dummy they threw off a cliff or something like that. <laughs> right yeah sorry i've been watching a fable minutes anyway um so yeah and like yeah it but he he did it like in for the majority of that time like i was believing in all of this crazy shit like you said like i believe the blue people and the sea people are real like i i don't see kate winslet or sigourney weaver or sam worthington or zoe saldana i see like these actual navi people i see i believe in the fucking whales the token and like all of that shit like Tolkien was dope and he was the dopest fucking fighter in that whole thing. He yeah. got in like at the end. That whale got it in like He's a I juggernaut. Like, yeah, and I'm like cheering for this fucking alien whale and who's like kicking ass martial arts style like do you in like my brain the when I got out the level of absurd shit that like I saw like my brain just couldn't like handle it but like I mean I could handle it and like I just totally bought it and absorbed it and was immersed in it again. And it worked again. And like you said, this all lived like, I don't think people are talking enough about it, but like this movie really did live or die with these kids 
who could have been like really annoying and like off-putting and coming of age, but you know, they do a good job actually. And this one hit me in the dad bone. I tweeted about it because there's literal moments in this that like, I mean, I'm dealing with, I have a very kind of, you know, I have a autistic seven year old who, you know, has her own way of kind of like looking at the world and seeing things and like having to learn and do that. I have a four year old who has like real big emotions and is real smart and already is like a little engineer, but is also very emotional and, you know, is you know, he can, it's just a lot of work just keeping him chill and, not like flipping out and stuff. And like, there's just a lot of those conversations. There's a scene in this that is like airlifted from my household right now where, <laughs> where he's like talking to the kids and like in one of those speeches where Natiri's like, you know, this isn't a unit or like you're hard on them. And he's like, I'm their dad. That's like, I'm their dad. That's my job. And like, yeah. and he's like, you know, they look up to you and like that. That's like a literal fucking conversation from my house. And it's just like, Oh my God. Like, you know, yeah. And that last moment in that scene, like, you know, in the last scene in the movie in this time, that kind of memory thing, like, you know, it's stuff I think about or just talk to like my wife about all the time. Like how fast is time passing? How much are they growing? Like how, you know, I, at least I'm aware at this age, like at, for every problem I think I have with kids, how, how am I going to feel when they're grown up and the stakes are fucking real in the world for them? And like, and yeah. I can't do anything to protect them anymore. I'll be wishing that I had those days of just doing things I thought were stupid, like teaching him something or doing things. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of emotion that I had like in this. And it's like, I think I tweeted something as a joke that turned out to be more popular than I thought. But like, it's like uncanny how James Cameron has like tracked my life since I saw the first Avatar and like all the shit that's happened and, you know, where I'm at now and like having a family and stuff like that. And so as you know, cliched and familiar as a lot of this is, and it always is. I think we, I think we use the word cliched for James Cameron, but I was actually watching, um, for work, the clay Kevin Smith's fat man beyond podcast. Mm. And they were doing as well. reading there's like, he, he said, you know, the same thing that James Cameron just picks archetypal things. He picks mm-hmm. things that he knows and, you know, with pretty good savviness that, the worldwide majority of people at least understand on some level. It's not a niche thing trying to teach us. It's like shit. He's playing on our emotional beats, you know, with music, with visual stuff, you know, and with these familiar archetypal things that everybody's like, I'm a dad. I can understand that shit. Or I'm a mom and I can understand that shit. Or people who don't even have like kids or somebody who was like a, a talented, but outcast kid, you know, like can understand this character. And so, or if you've ever moved to a new town, there's a lot of like moving uh, that I appreciated. It's just like a, I just moved to the new town type shit in this movie. Yeah. That, how do you like, fit in? You, yeah. Yeah. How do you fit in? You go into a new school, like all that stuff, the local kids fucking with you, you know, and bullying you. There's a weirdly, and I, maybe it's just because I just saw this like yesterday, but there's a lot of this that's like the Fablemans, <laughs> like in a weird kind of way. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then you wouldn't ever think to compare those two movies, but shit avatars in Babylon. So, you know, I don't know what to say. It's all mixed together. Um, so yeah, it, it worked on that level. And I liked the story this time. And, and maybe it's just because of who I am and where I am now in life. But 
like it did like the idea of shit encroaching upon like happy family nest is like a real anxiety of mine. I don't know who lived throughout the pandemic without feeling that if you've had kids or a wife and kids yeah. like, during all of that, like, you know, there were, there were literal times between the pandemic and politics and social stuff that like, we were just having to ask questions like, what if we have to start having a street fucking fight with like the neighbors? Like, what if we're going <laughs> to go like really downhill? Like, is this all going to hold? Like we had to, in 2020 ask questions like, is society going to hold together? Like civility, civilization, like, and so like those anxieties are good. You know, they're perfect fodder for somebody like James Karam to come around and in kind of prod and fuck with us about. And yeah and this movie takes you on the full ride right like you know having to reconcile having the worst that can happen happen to you you know all that you know having to go on and you know lose stuff and yeah it's a whole grand opera and i didn't mind the three hours there was only a couple times i thought it dragged i mean there is some totally and i think kevin smith said this also that was a good point um there is every every James Cameron trick you've seen in best about any James Cameron movie is fucking pretty much in this movie. Yeah, like, for sure. And it's like all the movies he's ever made, like kind of rolled into <laughs> one, but like, yeah, it, there was some, I mean, there's a whole aside as a PSA for the whales, you know, man, like yeah. it's just a whole story about a whale. Um, but <laughs> that whale turns out to be awesome. So, you know, it works out. So, Visually, it was just stunning. I think the story was a little bit better than the first. Um, I've never, I like Avatar, but I've never been able to, like, I'm never going to be, like, go full Pandora, you know what I mean? Like, I don't do it that, I can't, I'm never going to want to go to the, you know, the Avatar world of Disney World is not going to be my thing. Like, I just like it for what it is. But this was, I mean, he did it again. It's like, could he do it again? Yes, he fucking did it again. Like, all right. Like, give the man at least that much credit. And to all the people, there's like this weird subculture people who are like so animate about like being anti Avatar. Like, you're going to miss just like a one of a kind spectacle. Like, yeah. in theaters. Like, um, it's also like, I just want to note because I forgot to say this before I get out. Yeah. I mean, he, what he did with this 3D again is so, and I don't want 3D to come back all don't like let's not start another 3d thing please like we don't need to do this again but what he did with 3d is so good that when i had to get up and go to the bathroom at one point like i walked down with my glasses on and no matter remember by the when the first avatar came out you you were fighting for that middle seat in the theater right so you yeah, yeah. That, like the best 3d it doesn't even fucking matter anymore i was walking yeah. down to the bathroom and I didn't miss a beat. Nothing was out of focus. Everything was still perfectly like centered in front of my eyes as I was fucking walking. And I was like, this is insane. Like, it, it was next it was level like, 3d. Cause even the little tiny things like the, the, obviously a lot of the plants emit those like seedlings and stuff. And like that stuff was so well focused compared to water dust. That's how, oh my God. that was the thing yeah. that sold me. Like, you're watching the characters and they're almost in like a background. And then all of a sudden you'll see in front of your eyes, like a piece of water dust, just like float past your eyes in a foreground, making you yeah. think you're like in a water spatial distance away from them. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? 
Yeah. Um, I think it's so good that there is one scene and I know why he probably had to keep it. I'm sure he was a crazy fuck and wanted to do so much more of this, but like there is that one sequence where the kid meets the whale, how he meets the whale. That is fucking terrifying. Like, yeah. 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 Where it begins to get just for a second. You're so into it and like getting so worked up that you're like, I could see people probably gotten if the, he did that longer and like freakier did that more in the film, like people would start to feel like they were possibly going to drown or start to feel like claustrophobic yeah. or something like that. Like, because there is that sequence when yeah. Loic is trying to like escape from that. Uh, ben, crazy before you, can I say something quick, quick, quick before like, you yep. jump in? Yep. Um, air and that shit gets really I agree in the 3d part. I think like, I'm oh, only shit. game to see 3d oh, films by James Cameron. That um, format and pricing plan should be reserved for him and him. You are in the water. water. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh shit. In terms of, uh, I agree. Kofi made a good point. This movie handles, it's a good reset for the franchise in terms of timeline. Um, not necessarily lore, but the succession of time is very well handled. And I also like a little tidbit in the beginning of the film, the way they transition the language. So like they're speaking in Navi as he narrates. And then they transition that smartly through a scene you see later again in flashbacks or like, you know, memory moments, but um, that's well done. But one more thing I wanted to say on the flight, uh, sorry, the uh, Disney world shit, Kofi and everyone listening. I highly recommend if you ever get the chance to go to Disney world, you got to do the flight of the passage attraction at Pandora in Disney world. It's in the animal kingdom. It is the single greatest thing in Disney world, I think. And it actually foretold, a lot of what you see in this film, interestingly enough, it showed you mm. a lot of those things you see a little bit. You know what I mean? So it's a yeah. nice little inter, you know, what do you call that interlude? But um, yeah, uh, sorry, Ben, I wanted to say that quick. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, we had, you know, I've been sitting here listening to you guys talk about this, and you know, the last, when we were talking a week ago, um, before we had all seen it, because we're kind of, you know, we're a week and a half out from when we recorded the previous podcast, and then I think Kofi and I saw Avatar that the way of water the next day. And we were saying going into that, I think we had that conversation, like which of us are actually excited for this. And we were kind of like, you know, like I, we all respect James Cameron. We understand this dude's a visionary. He showed us a lot of really cool stuff over the years, but man, like, am I excited to sit down for three and a half hours and see CGI blue people again? And like, how could he possibly have really made it feel that special again because what was so great about the first film was that it was so revolutionary it felt like something you'd never seen before on a movie screen and yeah these guys are going to go underwater and you know but we've seen underwater a lot lately right like we've seen aquaman we've seen black panther wakanda forever we've seen underwater stuff and looked pretty good and Man, the second I sat down and I actually like I wouldn't say that I was cynical going to this because I always go into these things with a relatively open mind. But I was like I had to drive like an hour, like an hour and 15 minutes away to go to the screening that I was going to because they wanted to show it to us in like the absolute best, you know, Dolby, IMAX, whatever. And, you know, like I was scrambling in the door like five minutes before it started. And man, it just starts and you get those shots of them flying on the Ikron again. And like they're in a group and you see, I I don't know if it's Loak or who it is, but he just like raises his arm and kind of like in a like sort of like a little battle cry type way. And he's way in the background of the shot and the other characters are kind of swooping in front of you. And it just drug me in like immediately. And I was like, okay, this actually is sick. And it is one of those things where 
even if I don't like this movie that much, like I could sit here for three hours and just kind of marvel at the visuals of this because especially because all of us have been sitting on our asses at home watching a lot of movies the last three years not going to the theater. I think we probably see more movies than most people do because we review them and we talk about on this podcast and stuff. But, you know, going and seeing a lot of the Marvel movies, DC movies, whatever, I you do not, they do not deliver this kind of cinematic experience. And this, this puts a lot of what we've seen coming from like big blockbuster studios the last like four or five, 10 years, kind of to shame in terms of just, this is what we talk about when we talk about like movie magic, you know, and like seeing something you've never seen before and really being drawn into a world. I have a lot of criticisms and reservations still about kind of the story and some of the choices that are made here, but you cannot possibly, you know, if you're seeing this in a good theater on a, on a nice screen with great sound in 3d, you cannot possibly look at this and be like, you know, this guy's an idiot and he's just like spending money on stuff that no one cares about because I have a lot of friends who like aren't the biggest Avatar fans, but they are all going to see this movie with their families over the course of the next couple of weeks because it is, it feels like a spectacle that you need to see in theaters. And right now that was such a satisfying thing to go see because theaters have been struggling. There have not been a lot of movies that have like drawn us out to them. Um, or movies that really benefited from, you know, a real true premium experience, like you were saying, Rob. Um, you know, we've been shoveled a lot of stuff in RPX and IMAX, with the exception of maybe, you know, well, definitely with the exception of uh, Top Gun Maverick. But I, you know, I don't feel like I needed to see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness on an amazing screen after the fact. Like, I saw it on a really nice screen, but, you know, it didn't do this kind of thing. And I would say that the only movies that have really done that since the end of the pandemic are like Maverick and and this one. But so, I mean, that's to say, like, I, like I kind of went into this pretty unexcited because I, I really was, I had reservations about whether or not just sort of the gimmick of the water would, would kind of feel like something fresh. And what I, what I've kind of came away from is it's not really about the gimmick of the water. It's just like the way that this guy visually realizes an alien world and alien people and the way that you know they're mounting these creatures and and engaging with the world and fighting humans and stuff and fighting big robot mechs and giant you know flotillas and stuff that it feels epic it feels cool it looks amazing on a screen and uh and that is a special and unique experience and for that reason alone i'd encourage people to go see it there are again, a lot of weird things. And I think it does. I think one of the things that kind of disappointed me the most is with as awesome as that final fight is, it's like the Navi just kind of disappear from it. And there are other things like that in the film where it's kind of like it, it wants to show you something and it wants to set up something. And then it kind of just sort of pulls the rug out a little bit um, because it can get away with it because it's so beautiful and it's so cool. What, what you do get to see, but you know, the story again is a bit is like Jake Sully's overall arc is just kind of confusing to me, like in this series, because like basically his whole message in the first film, and I think you guys were touching on this earlier was we have to stand up to these sky people. They're going to come and like screw up this awesome planet. And in this movie, the sky people come back and Jake Sully's like, I got to get the hell out of here. 
and like protect my family, which I get as a, you know, as a father now and as a, you know, as a husband and, and, you know, like a homeowner and stuff. Like, like I get, you know, I get you have to like protect your family, but it's like the fact that he comes to this revelation at the end of the movie where he's kind of like, you know, we have to stand up to these people. We can't run. It's like, dude, that's sort of what you were telling everybody last time. So that arc and I think Natiri's arc are pretty weak in this. Natiri, they just kind of Natiri's pass off. Weak as like, as she sidelined her big time. Yeah. 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 I mean, she just gets like, she's just like angry. We got to save the people. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, <laughs> she's just like the people. Ang- I'm sorry. Protect the people. They do this like weird stuff too with Spider and her where Spider's seeing how terrifying she can be, you know, and he's like, and it's supposed to emphasize the kind of conflicted feelings he has about his adopted family versus like, you know, his biological father and the fact that, you know, his adopted mother just like straight up murdered his biological father. But but it's also just kind of like it paints her in this really like animalistic, weird way. And I, I, I don't know that the movie like successfully does anything with that in and it's You're like right yeah it's a weird note um for the purposes of like the sully family and the specifically but I, yeah. it, it's almost like it's an excuse to give ammo for him saving Corich after the fact yeah which is it's weird right yeah um and it's like but, he's hugging her and shit later you know it's like i don't that's why it's just it's weird like it's a weird there are things like that where it's kind of like okay i get why we're doing this we're setting up storylines for three four and five and that's one of the things that I, I said when I was like tweeting about it after I saw it was kind of like, yeah, you know, I, there's a lot that I, that I really liked about it, but there's also things where I'm kind of like, okay, that's set up and that's set up and that's set up. And well, why would that character do that? Oh, okay. Because he's going to have to come back in the next one. And, and you know, any franchise is going to do that, but it, it feels a bit, it feels a bit like this movie's able to kind of get away with some of that shit because it's so beautiful and it's so so cool looking, but I will say I love the kids, which is something that I don't usually love. Like usually when we're kind of trying to develop a next generation of characters in a movie or or in a franchise, I tend to kind of like roll my eyes a little bit at those because it's like, you know, you're trying to set up characters that you're going to be able to like make the stars of these films, like later on down the line. And yeah, I think they actually kind of do that pretty well with the kids in this one, even though there is, you know, Kobe, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, it's familiar stuff for the purpose of feeling familiar because, you know, he's trying to like tug on the heartstrings of as many people as, as possible. And that, that has been in his DNA, you know, for decades at this point, you know, there's a lot of that in Titanic. There's a lot of that in the first oh, Avatar. It's, yeah. It's, it's smart universal themes, right? He's yeah, applying them sure. in very unique and extreme ways. And it's, it's smart. Yeah. It's how you relate to people and bring them on a crazy journey, including yeah. like, not be sticking their fucking tail heads to anything and everything. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Hey, Rick, yeah. I take issue with one thing you say though. Um, yep. The part where you talk about Jake Sully coming to the realization that at the end of the film that we must stick and fight versus the reality of him like leaving and trying to escape in the first yeah. act. Right. I, I think it's more, it's, it's not just him. Just for me, it's not just him escaping the conflict it's after a very specific specific event where they encountered a hit squad a rebirthed hit squad specifically targeting and assassinating his family and capturing his kids it was more it was more about 
Like, okay, this is not about us versus them and continuing these rebel assaults on trains and mining operations. It's like, oh no, now they know our weakness. They're coming for the leadership and they're coming for my family. So it's like, yeah. it, it, it changes it a little bit and it becomes the personal thing, which is neat because that part made sense to me as a, as a very, it's weird how much movie there is when you actually think about how much shit happens in the first act and what you see in the second and third act, right? Like those, that, those rebel attacks and like the, the new forest base and them flying through the mountains and seeing how they come back to this planet. It, it, it's, there's a lot of fucking movie here compared to the first one. So you're getting some good bang for buck. Um, uh, but yeah, I want, that to part- say, I, I want to touch on the, um, the kind of thing about the weird relationships. I'm kind of the opposite of you guys. I don't think it's like a mess of storytelling. I think that James Cameron doesn't even remember where he started <laughs> it and cut up this story. He just has one big, he's, he just fucking is making Dune basically. And yeah, this yeah, is yeah. his Dune. And so yeah. like it, it, there is shit that's going to go, but I'm kind of like painfully too aware where I feel like this is all going, which is you're seeing ever since the first film, which started out with these very black and white ideas. Like I, we are, we, and they are them. Right. Yeah. It's like the whole thing has started. It's all going towards this. We are one type type theme, which is what a, a, a is all about. But to get there, all of these people have to like walk in all these different shoes to kind of get there. And so like what you're beginning to see and what you're going to keep seeing is like these these mixings of things, right? Like Spider is human, but he lives with Navi. Quaritch and then he goes and spends time with humans. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you mean. Quaritch is human, but then he has to spend time or some version of him in a Navi body is born. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some way they bring back like human Quaritch eventually because they can, or like super cyborg Quaritch. Who know the fuck knows? But, like, everybody's going to kind of have been, like, everything and everybody and then, like, or have, like, part Navi, part human, like, part this until, like, everybody's like, oh, I'm all fucked up. And then they're like, oh, the ultimate, like, ending will be kind of Kiri coming and being like, no, bro, listen, I'm like Jesus Gandhi, like, you know, like, in Buddha, and I'm here to tell you, like, we're all one. And, like, that's going to blow Karaj's mind, like, he's going to connect to Awa or some crazy shit like avatar quarge and then he'll be like oh shit it's true we're all one like you know and it's like everybody's gonna realize they're all one with the planet and can everything's connected and that's like the end of avatar so i feel like yeah. i'm already like five films down the line here and it's just like yeah i'm like ah, all right yeah the course thing it almost feels like it seems so obvious that he's gonna convert right he's gonna join yeah. them in the fight right but that seems like an avatar three thing like what are they doing there's no way I can't handle three more movies of Quaritch. Like, like what happens in four and five is my kind of bigger question. I mean, I hope they really do it. I hope Kim Cameron has the balls to really do it and just like wipe out entire generations of these characters. And just, we end with whoever's like the kid or the kid's kid. I don't know how they're going to do it. I guess they could, right? They shot, if two and three are a set and I guess the first act of, of the fourth, which apparently they've shot as well, then you're right. Like after that, there could be a, a significant time jump, especially if they're doing, a new way of space travel back to earth, right? It doesn't involve cryo requirements because of this, you know, a new natural resource, by the way, on the resource thing, we talked about the MacGuffin going, the new MacGuffin. My concern with that is like, when you really think about it, you're not, we still haven't seen that much of Pandora. It's so full of life and new adventure, right? Just the, the forest village, the base and the water tribes. That's all we've seen, which seems like a very, and they're only like, X amount of kilometers apart. Like the rest of this moon 
and who knows, the other moons around this gas planet as well could have so much more to offer. So I wonder, like, they can't keep playing this card of Earth. Like, why is Earth so horny for this planet? It's it can't just be whale brain juice, right? They're gonna keep <laughs> they're gonna keep coming back, right? They're gonna. They, <laughs> I wonder how big this universe and this planet really are, or moon, I should say. Um, my concern is like maybe there are other resources, and they keep playing this card of like someone speaking to another character right in front of the camera saying, oh, this thing is worth $80 million or 80 million credits on Earth. It's like, I can't handle that anymore. So I hope given the reset of the franchise and Avatar 3 coming out, well, two years from now, 2024, that it's actually not that at all. It needs. I think they're going to have to go see like the Fire Tribe. Uh, Then they'll see, you know, the The Mountain tribe. Tribe. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is this the yeah, they get an avatar? That's, yeah. that's when they get Last discovered Airbus. that there is this one Navi that can use all of these elements and bond with like all of these animals. And yeah, he, that's I mean that's literally a time what jump. The and Kiri we, character. Yeah. Is, right? <laughs> no, that's for the sequel. That's for uh, Kiri. Yeah, that's, that's for the, Kiri. That's it, Legend the of last, Kiri. Yeah, Legend of Kiri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the name of the fifth movie or something. Yeah. What do you guys, uh, what, so let's, I mean, you know, we want to talk about our favorite movies of the year and stuff. We've, you know, we've obviously, oh, yeah. I think we've covered a lot of ground here. What, um, what do you guys want to see like in these upcoming films? Like, like, are you excited? I mean, three is going to come out because he's already, you know, filmed it, you know, four, he's done a bit of four, you know, he said he's done about a third of four, I think. And then, yeah. you know, there's five or whatever. So like, are you guys are you guys here for this whole thing? Like, are we yeah, kind of baby. now recommitted? Yeah, I feel like I mean, I'm, I'm kind of recommitted. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of oh, recommitted. Oh, fucking dude, dude, dude. Yeah. Oh my god, it, I want James yeah. Cameron. Have you guys seen The Abyss? By the way, fucking incredible film. I'm yeah, in yeah. for for these four movies or three more, uh, ten more. I don't give a shit. I want to see True Lies too. Anything James Cameron does, I want to fucking see in the big screen. Right? He's one of those icons. So, so yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. I mean, yeah, I'm showing up to see this every couple of years. Why not? Yeah, I think I. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel I sort of feel like at this point, if I if these these things are just going to show up every three years and you know two or three years and basically blow everything else out of the water visually, and he's telling this like you know it's an okay sci fi story, I would say um, the world is more interesting than some of the you know the actual like ideas I would say in the film, but. Um, you know, I mean, I'm I'm here for it. I like sci-fi stuff. I like a lot of the concepts here. I'm interested in this family. I care about them at this point. I am, you know, like excited about watching these kids get a bit older. It's funny too, like seeing these interviews with these kids. You know, like some of them were like like ten years old when they were cast a decade yeah, ago, almost, and they filmed like two and a half of these movies, and they're eighteen now. Like that Spider Kid is like. 22 or something now and the the little kid that plays the younger girl no maybe it's a spider kid that was like 12 when he was cast but oh wow pretty uh, nuts i don't know yeah the two girls gonna be yeah so that you know that raises the question of the time jump thing right so um if they won that battle what happens to that base do they skip a significant amount of time in the sequel or is it like right after this right it's already yeah. shot so that part's already answered i guess it is going to be right after this basically the question is they've already dated four and five and i think those release, release dates are meaningless because they have not shot four and five and we know given what james cameron wants to do he's probably going to want to do like 12k cameras in underwater but in a tank of water in space with super imax <laughs> cameras it's like <laughs> that's not coming out for 10 years right so um yeah. 
I do wonder if those dates are realistic. Um, I mean, fucking Disney. They can't even get those Star, Star Wars movies out for those dates as well, right? Those December yeah. dates. So who knows? But um, yeah, to answer your question, yes. We didn't talk about Spider enough. That was the other point yeah, I wanted to make. None of this matter. I mean, does any of this matter anymore? Like, I mean, it's a fucking 80-year-old Sigourney Weaver is a 14-year-old alien girl. None of it matters. Except Spider, right? The human character. Yeah, so. Spider, yeah Spider's fucked unless he gets shot up and gets an <laughs> avatar body. Yeah, he'll get an avatar body problem. too, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's very, yeah, that has to happen. Yeah. Uh, well, um, that's funny. That MacGuffin can get really old because not only humans on Earth can just like fucking build alien clones. You can just like, depending on how Pandora, the personification of Pandora, this fucking planet feels, it could just like give you a body too, right? So it's like, I, I yeah, mean, there's a lot of we- there's a lot of shit that we have not talked about here about like how Kiri came to be, which is a mystery for the future, and like how. Korich's DNA gets downloaded into a clone. Like, there's, like, that's what I meant earlier. There was some, like, very, very, you know, I don't know, tying yourself in circles to bring some of these people back to play these characters. I mean, I'm here <laughs> for it, but it's like, it's pretty fucking crazy. Like, when you I actually. I was uh, disappointed. Like, Speaking of, like, bodies and cloning, all this goofy shit, I was disappointed there was no talk about giving Jake Silly. <laughs> Jake Sully back his legs, his real <laughs> legs. That's my favorite fucking line for the first movie. You know what? Real legs. You want to know it's wild? Uh, like this movie is all about like family, and never once does it ma- mention fucking Jake Sully's twin brother. Yeah, true. that's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah, he, he doesn't true. give a fuck about that guy. He's <laughs> like, that's he's like that was my old no life. Shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was my whole like, life. Yeah, we don't talk about. We don't talk about. That's that. actually. That's actually kind of interesting because they they don't really, especially with the two brothers and the older one being, you know, the like the sort of wiser one and the younger one being the fuck up and stuff. It's kind of interesting that they actually didn't talk more about that or tie that together. Maybe they will eventually. Maybe that's you know they'll do something with the twin in a future movie, even though he's dead. Like they'll bring him back or something, but. Yeah, it's Yo, like, like, it's, it's, he's gonna be like, "Why are you crying? Are you dead, brother? I had one of those. You don't see me crying. Get up!" Yeah. We, well, the other thing we didn't talk about was Jermaine Clement or Jermaine Clement right? showing up just like randomly oh, as a marine biologist. Marine biologist? Like, yeah, it was so fucking weird. I mean, uh, like again, there's a lot it. of New Zealand actors up in that whaling operation, yeah, right? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. We also didn't talk about Giovanni Ribisi. He shows up in like a cameo inside of a cameo almost, right? He's like in the fucking vlog of what happened with the clones, the exposition scene. Yeah. Um, my poor guy. Did he die? What happened to him in the first movie? I thought he was okay. He, did he, must he be somewhere. No, I think he, he ended up being okay in the end. Like he kind of was Didn't team. I think he might have, I think he might have left. He yeah. probably went back to. Oh, that's it. He, he went back to. No, he else. wasn't Team Sully. He was a terrible person. He I don't think that character. No, no, no. But the end, he, he's the one who gave Sully the the the, the shit. Um, he agreed to let Sully go back in, try to convince them. Um, but it, uh, it was okay. Michelle Rodriguez who was the ultimate hero. Who, by the way, did not get a nappy body. They just killed her off. But yeah, um, no, she died in the yeah, she died in the copter though. Yeah, she blew up. That's yeah. true. She, she's in pieces. But. Um, not the well. uh, I don't remember what I was gonna say. Never mind. Anyway, Spider. Uh, wait, wait, one more thing. I didn't talk about. We love the kids. The 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 biggest fucking weird thing from the trailer was seeing like the human kid with the dreadlocks, like fucking swimming with them. Um, and I was worried about that. But Spider ended up being like an absolute 
essential key part of the plot, a key player. And I thought the actor and and then and the character was actually pretty good. So uh, that was a uh, another tough challenge on top of already dealing with the Sully kids. So um, that was I kind of a neat X factor. Fewer, I could have done with fewer spider growling scenes. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. he growling like a nubby is a little weird for sure. The bro, the oh. bro stuff was pretty fucking dra- like uh, distracting after a while too. <laughs> like the kids, yeah. like bro, why don't we go over here, bro, bro? Yo, I bro, that's go. crazy, bro. Yeah, like, but that's how. I mean, that's just kids. I know, I know, it's like realistic, but it yeah. But you started this Project X shit again. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that scene where they that scene where they throw the oh. drugs on the ground and all the Navi kids dive for them. Just oh, like, they couldn't help it. The whales too. That was gonna yeah. be my dra- joke earlier. It was just like, yeah, they got to be showing them doing fucking sea salts and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very organic, though. Uh, or the Tolgan gives him like some brain enzyme shot. Um, no, I'm getting sidetracked. I had an actual point I wanted to make before we got out of here. And now I, I completely forgot it, but it's like really important. Oh, God damn it. I forgot what it was. It'll come back. Yeah. Um, it'll come back at some random point, but it was, yeah, something about these films. I don't know, but, um, yeah, we can move on. Cause I'm not going to remember it. Okay. The uh, all right. Well, you guys want to talk? Uh, you guys want to talk about some some favorite movies this year? Uh, yeah, yes, yes. I can. Let's keep it quick. But I, I got a couple. I got four. I'll pick three out of the four. Okay, pick four. Yeah, pick three out of your four. Um, so last time I went last. Rob, you went second, I think, and Kofi went first. So, Rob, do you want to go first this time, or do you want me to? go No, first? I'm going to go bathroom. You guys get started. I'll be right back. Okay. Live so, TV, buddy. <laughs> so I, I've been like thinking about this all day um, when we said we were going to be doing this particular thing, and I was trying to think of like, you know, we saw obviously a lot of movies this year. A lot, like I ended up seeing a lot of the comic book movies and reviewing them and everything, and none of those ended up making my list. The my top three movies, um, number one, my favorite movie of the year. And Whoa! It's, Go start at three. What are you doing? Oh, you want me to go backwards? Okay, all right. Well, so number three was Prey. Um, I really enjoyed Ooh. Prey. And, um, like, I, you know, like, I've always liked the Alien and Predator movies, but they've let me down a lot lately. I, the only, my only regret with Prey is that I didn't get to see it in a theater. Um, and I, I do kind of wish that the release of this had been, you know, like a bit, like, I, I wish that I had had that you know, kind of that opportunity at least, um, because I, I do think I probably would have enjoyed it even more as a, as a theatrical experience. And I, to my knowledge, they didn't release it in theaters, right? Like it was only no, it was Hulu. A, yeah, it was a, yeah a, that's what that's, I thought. And people, I wrote about this, but people keep doing this, but like, that's the only, it was also one of the, it was going to be theatrical, but it was yeah. one of the yeah, main reasons it was easy to keep going yeah. with was because they could do it on they it and it gonna... sparked a whole new set of things because that Fede Alvarez alien movie is now going to be for who yeah. too. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, there was something, you know, there was something so unique about the film and like, you know, like I watched it in the, the subtitled version and everything. And like, I just kind of wish that I had been a bit, I had the opportunity to be a bit more immersed in it than, um, than I was because, you know, I watched it in my living room and it's like, you know, I got up at one point to like, you know, get more water or something. Like I kind of wish that I had been locked in a little bit more. And I know that's my own fault, but 
it's the reality of watching things at home, right? The dog's got to go out. I got to go deal with something. Um, but when I was, when I was in it, like, I just think it's a beautifully shot film. I think it's a cool story. I think it's a creative take on the predator. And I, I liked that sort of version of, I just like kind of like the pitting of these two types of people against each other, um, with the, you know, with the predator and the Comanche tribe and everything. Um, I just thought that was interesting and it, it sort of ended up working for me. But like I said, I wish I had, I wish I'd been able to see it in the theater, but, um, by the end of it, you know, I was like really rooting for Naru and like, you know, the way the thing sort of comes full circle with her using the mud pit and stuff. Like I just, I really dug all that. I thought it was a well-constructed story, um, with characters that I gave a shit about. And it was from our boy, Dan Trachtenberg, who, you know, like Rob and I have, a uh, kind of, some connections with from over the years and everything. We've always been rooting for this guy. So, yes, sir. um, I think so. Prey was, Prey was number three for me. Um, very, uh, I was just saying, Rob, the only thing that I didn't, you know, there was a bummer about Prey is that I couldn't see it in the theater. That was the only thing that I, uh, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point, but, but still enjoyed it, the hell out of it. Um, at number two for me was Top Gun Maverick. Um, just because, like, and I was kind of, I was looking at my number two position. I was trying to decide between Avatar and Top Gun Maverick. And I was kind of thinking like, you know, my number two position is probably going to be a movie that like really got me back to the theater after COVID brought people back to the theater. I was like recommending people go see it in a the theater. And it was between those two. But at the end of the day, I mean, I was a big Top Gun fan as a kid. Um, I'm like emotionally connected to, to Maverick and Iceman and those guys. And just the way that movie handled everything with bringing Iceman back and the way it treated him as well as just the amazing action in it. And just Tom Cruise's, you know, kind of continuing to up the ante in terms of his own stunts and his own, um, you know, putting his own body through things to, to, entertain all of us and i mean that's before i saw that mission impossible clip that came out this week of him driving a motorcycle off of a cliff but i don't know i mean it's like that's a dude that just like wants to entertain people and he made one hell of an entertaining movie and uh and it was a good reason to go back to theaters and uh my number one was everything everywhere all at once i love you know weird timey-wimey dimensional weird stuff um, and I just really dug, I dug the film. I loved the story. I loved, um, you know, the relationship between kind of like these fractured versions of this family kind of throughout these different, different dimensions. And, um, you know, the action was obviously very creative and funny. And I mean, I've never been more emotionally invested in two rocks just sitting in silence and subtitled silence, you know, philosophically pontificating together, um, on, a, on the side of a cliff. So everything everywhere at all at once was the movie that I, I feel like I, I recommended to the most people this year outside of, you know, telling people to go see avatar and, and, uh, and Maverick in theaters. It was like the movie that I was the most invested in and I was telling people to, to check out. Um, so yeah, those are my top three. Um, did anybody else have either any of these on there? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, cool. So we'll, yeah, we can cycle through a few of the ones that uh, we have commonalities. On. So, um, Rob, you want to go or Kofi? Yeah, I can go quick. Uh, okay, so so my three, um, I had four. It's tough to choose three, but I, I, I have chosen three. My three are movies that are uh, exceptional for a variety of reasons. One, 
being that they have such an interesting, challenging, and sometimes lengthy development story behind them, uh, but also mine are exclusively theatrical and they are uniquely special, powerful, and absolutely must see iconic theatrical experiences. So that's, that's, awesome. my, that's why I'm choosing these. So I like it. Um, I don't have a good ordering of these. So I'll just kind of, Hmm. Okay. I'll say three is everything everywhere. All the ones, just like you said, for all okay. the reasons you said, um, if you, if you, it, it was pretty well documented. Um, but there's quite a heartfelt story behind this from how they cast and pitched Michelle yeah. Yeoh and she agreed to it just because of the, the, the pure passion of the directors essentially. And um, I guess the bigger thing is how they brought back uh, Ki-Hu Kwan, right? From everyone knows yeah. him as Short Round and Indiana Jones. And yeah. it's such a special, gleeful movie. It's it's And for me personally, it's a film that didn't play fully wide as in it wasn't in my local theater. So I, I drove far away by myself in yeah. the middle of the day to go see this movie. And I, I did that for – well, only this film in the last couple of years, to be honest. And it was absolutely worthwhile. I had such a wonderful time sitting by myself in the afternoon in this theater way across town. Um, it's special. It's wonderful. How they made it's wonderful. How it ends up is wonderful. It's surprising. It's unique. Um, there's so much heart behind it. It's fucking fun. It's goofy. It's everything you want. So it's unique. There's, there's, I, I cannot compare it to anything else. So um, for me, that's a must-see. Any format you can see this film in, you can see it, even though – the ones I'm choosing are based on my unique theatrical experiences. Um, yeah. Two, I'll probably say Avatar. Um, Interesting. The Way of Water. I think this is a film that comes around once a decade, literally, or once every 14 years in this case. Um, there's no other filmmaker on the planet who has the resources and talent and patience and passion to do something like this. Um, if you think about it on paper, you're like cat, alien people, water tribe, something, something, half a billion dollars. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> and it fucking works. Um, and despite how you and I talked about and all of us talked about, are we excited? Is Are we hyped? It, it doesn't matter. Like you have to see this movie in theaters. Not only that, you have to see it in the, the best possible screen that's available to you. Um, otherwise, you're missing out. I don't give a shit what you say. You watch movies at home, you're missing out. You're not watching Avatar the right way if you haven't seen it in 3D. Um, you know, the crazy high format, the, the, the high frame rate, that, that's the way it needs to be seen. It's special. I'm going to see it again. There's no other film except for one, which I'll say shortly, that I've seen more than once uh, in theaters in, in years. Um, these things don't happen often, right? I mean, of course, Avatar 1 came out, it was re-released in 4K or whatever earlier this year, but like that doesn't happen often. Like reasons to go to the theater are sadly – dwindling right more and more content like this is going to streaming services whether it's like premium tv shows or, or films like you mentioned prey that goes straight to streaming it's like there, there are so so more and more and kofi said this many times over the years spielberg and lucas were right man these the movie these these theater experiences are becoming events you need event films that are quality or unique or special to match it everything everywhere everywhere all at once was that avatar is certainly that there's nothing else like it and there never will be until 2024 when James Cameron releases the third one. Uh, who, know, who knows in four and five? Number one, though, I kind of switched the ordering here last minute, is Top Gun Maverick. Um, mm. Same reasons. This movie is, what, 30-plus years in the making? It is such a wild fucking idea that they made the sequel with Joseph Kaczynski, who I fucking love from Tron and Oblivion and now this. Um, they nailed it. 
they made a sequel to a movie that 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 was such a special thing at that time, and they made it work for modern audiences. And it was such a fun. It may not be the best movie ever, but man, it hits all the right notes in terms of heart, and it has an incredible action, and it's super fucking fun. When I go to the theater, I want to have a great goddamn time, or be totally engrossed, or have a very emotional story. This has all of it, all of it, um, and it's also a movie. And many people share the story that I saw, saw it again, and then I brought my brother to town, brought my parents to town, took him out for dinner and drinks, and then we went to go see that movie. There's no other movie in many, many years has done that. Top Gun Maverick yeah. was that for millions of people. So fuck yeah, go see those three movies in theaters. You can't go wrong. Awesome. Mr. Outlaw? All right. I want to preface this by saying that like – we, you know, I have to record the uh, excellent and hopefully award-winning Comic Book Nation podcast show tomorrow. And uh, are you up for an award? Gonna, are you up for? An- no, no. Oh, you plug it enough times. And see, again. that's what happens. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You 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 yeah. plug it enough times, and that's what happens. See, um, manifesting. I get it. Yeah, yeah. You got to manifest. Um, so. We actually have graphics made for this. Uh, my top three picks are locked in, so I, I lock them in for Comic Book Nation. And I'm only changing one, which is my third one, because I have a different reason. And I was on the fence, so I'm using both these shows to kind of split the vote. But um, yeah, so I just want to preface by saying mine were locked in previously on a whole other show that I got to do this on. And I locked in exactly what I'm about to say, except for this third pick. So, um, just to let you know what it was between, uh, my third pick was between, uh, the movie Barbarian and the movie Babylon for very Mm. different reasons. Um, on this show, I'm going to go with Babylon, uh, and I'm careful about Babylon because I just saw it and I'm always scared about recency bias, but, um, yeah, I've never been the biggest Damien Chazelle fan. Uh, I like Whiplash. I didn't, I'm not La La Land. It's not my thing. But um, he also wrote 10 Cloverfield Lane. Good job for him. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, Babylon is, again, like Rob said, it is a movie that is one you need to see on a theatrical, like a big theater screen. You may not think so, but this movie has sequences and just things in it that are so fucking wild and just out there its energy is crazy over the top like it's nuts and babylon's about if you don't know it's uh it's one of those oscar bay movies yes but it's coming out on christmas and it's about old hollywood in the silent film era as it moves into the era of talking films and it's about this ensemble of characters it's almost like classic paul thomas anderson like boogie Nights style movie because it's about these characters who start out only Brad Kitt's character is like the biggest star of the talking era. And it's about his star falling while Margot Robbie plays this kind of really rambunctious kind of low class girl who becomes a famous star for through sheer like manifesting and her star rises. And um, this kid who becomes like a producer after working in the shady kind of parties of Hollywood. Anyway, so it's about all these people in this black musician who is just like, you know, quote unquote, Negro musician playing in the background of films until he gets his own kind of spotlight and all this stuff. And it's about their stories as they go through the era of talking of of trying to get into talking era of film. And uh, the movie's crazy. Um, There's so many crazy fucking cameos in it. 
it is so good. There's a whole sequence that I can't even tell you the context, but it has Samara weaving and Margot Robbie together in a sequence. And they're playing two actresses competing for something. And it, like, there's just so many levels of meta in it. Toby Maguire's in it in this fucking crazy ass cameo yeah. sequence. <laughs> and there's just like, it's like a little bit Paul Thomas Anderson. It's a little bit Tarantino. It's very much Damien Chazelle because the music is amazing in it. And like, yeah, it is, it is a wild just rumination on like, and this seems to be a big thing this year, but like, what is art? What is the cost of art? How much does it take from you to make it? Um, and, and is it worth it in the end for what you achieve with like, you know, and these enduring things that are movies, right? And Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, the whole entire cast is fucking amazing. And there are just so many sequences in this that are so burned into my brain that like, I, I can't, this is the movie I can't wait to watch over and over again. And I know I'm going to watch it over and over again. Because it is, so, and it is also three hours long, and it is it's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, but they just do things, both new age Hollywood stuff, like there's a CGI elephant in an orgy within the first before you even get to the title sequence. <laughs> um, like, yeah, this movie. I don't want to tell you how the movie starts, but it's like a whole metaphor that is just so crazy, wild. People get like shit on, people get puked on, like pissed on, like people like there's so many wild things that happen in this movie um that it's just crazy uh but it's all about film and it and it's very meta because it you in some of it you feel like is about new age it's actually about hollywood right now but like it's about old hollywood new hollywood and just like movies and making movies and it uses the artifice of making movies in a very meta way there's all these crazy sequences using hundreds of extras and stuff like that doing absurd shit it's this absurdist comedy and it's hard to describe it's really hard to describe but uh babylon is a fucking experience and like i said it's gonna i know already it's gonna be this movie that one of those movies that i am stuck going back and watching over and over and over and over again and It's going to be, yeah, I can't wait for more people to see that. We Babylon was, it, yeah, Babylon was on my list. I, uh, it was, it fell into the honorable mentions category, but yeah, that's a crazy ass movie. Is this out yet? Or are you guys from screenings? It's coming out this week. It's coming out like tomorrow. Yeah. Oh shit. I got to yeah, see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, number two for me was, I picked up gun two for the same things you guys said. Um, I thought this movie got us back in theaters but and I had it up against Avatar and I had to pick one. And even though I'm so amazed by what James Cameron did, I thought this used more of the classic movie making stuff. It connected us to the old school, something we loved and got us into movies in the first place. And then to be able to come back now and still make us feel that magic all over again is a complete feat in and of itself. Um, yeah, I had such a great time in this movie. Everybody did. It never got too heavy. It was edge of your seat when it needed to be. It was fun throughout. And even that crazy ass third act where, you know, Tom Cruise was like, we've done good, but I'm not here for good. I want great. And made them do like a whole like sneaky bandit sequence to steal a plane. Like it, it, it was like, I was still in for that and it was still great. and It was still hilarious. And everything about that movie was just a feel good return to the movies that we all felt it was like the rare time in this highly divided society and time we live in that. Like I saw something that everybody could agree on. Everybody enjoyed. Like I didn't, I mean, I'm sure there were people who were critical of it, but like, I didn't hear 
like it never got above the 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 roar of enjoyment about this movie and yeah it, it brought us back a hot like you know hot older jennifer connelly like what's not to like about it like yeah. people <laughs> the internet like was obsessed with jennifer connelly for like a couple of weeks what's not to like about any of this and yeah. it made me feel something good about val kilmer too so yeah i mean this was this was the movie that i felt like movies are back it made me feel like movies are really back not in some weird hybrid of movies are back but like yeah movies are back when i saw that movie make a billion dollars and it made the industry tom fucking cruise did what he said he was gonna do he fucking like got the industry going again just outside of marvel not just marvel like yeah we can make fucking big movies we can still do this like let's fucking go so bring on mission impossible baby um, and my number one was everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, nice. Man. I wow. came to this late. I, I came to this. I missed it. On a, I wasn't ready to go out and commit to those kinds of movies. I was one of those people. I was still in the fuck that. I'm only going to the theater because big stuff. Um, so, but they they were smart enough to shove it in front of my face for these critics lists and stuff <laughs> this year. So when it got shoved in front of my face, I was like, you know what? This is going to be my number one critic screening like of this year. And I did it at, at the office. I'm like I said, I'm alone at the office on Fridays a lot. So it's a great time to kind of screen things if I have the ability to do so. And I, I don't even think I, I'm sorry to anybody who hears this from, you know, Paramount. I, I know I ended up being productive that day, but I, I wasn't productive in my first hours because like <laughs> this movie just grabbed me. And this where Top Gun and Avatar are examples of big people, experienced veterans making big movies. This movie was what I love about movies. It was born out of people who had, you know, only so much money, wanted to do something massive and figured out creative ways to do it. And in a fun, original way. And it's clear now that right now in storytelling, especially like on screen storytelling, maybe because of the way the world's gotten so shitty. I don't know, but like a major theme is, you know, where we used to think like stories about multiverse and franchises and stuff that was like a non-starter. Now everybody is telling that kind of story of alternate timelines, whether it's a Chris Pratt movie or peripheral or Marvel and doctors in the whole fucking current Marvel saga or the, what DC might eventually get to with the flash and like, everybody's obsessed with this idea of what if we could live alternate lives? What if we have been in alternate timelines, except this dark fuck one that we're stuck in? Like, what (laughs) if, um, like what if, so everybody's been obsessed with that story. Everybody's telling that story right now, right. On a larger kind of macro scope. And the Daniels have like come along and I, I feel like they nailed it. Like they told this story, in a way that is just so succinct and perfect and just says, you know, like fuck all the Rick and Morty of it all. Like it, you got to be able to be happy in your life and you got to appreciate what you have and who you have. And even if your life doesn't turn out the way you think about it and imagining all these other ways it could go, that's kind of like a fallacy and like be happy with who you are, which is some very, you know, Eastern philosophy, I have a lot of Buddhist friends and I love them to death, but sometimes I want to shake them. But like (laughs) very Eastern philosophy stuff that, you know, you come out of. And I love that this movie took Michelle Yeoh, who's one of the greatest like performers and low key has been for like, what, like 
going on three de- like three decades now that we've yeah, been watching yeah. her since like the Bond movies, like in the world and Crouching Tiger and the world was getting to her late then. Like and these guys put her up and let her do everything and she does everything in this movie. Like it, it's insane. Like she can do drama. She can be glamorous and beautiful. She can be just like stripped down. She's a martial arts fucking stunt performer. Like she she can be funny as shit. Like, you know, she could do everything yeah. and just the supporting cast, just and all the wild shit they got these people to do. Like, yeah, K who K White uh, K Hui Kwan, um, short round and data from Goonies, like back as an adult. I mean, just stuff about marriage in here that's like real deep. And like all this kind of stuff, like yeah, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis just going nuts in this movie, like yeah, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis is like the best, <laughs> one of the best parts of the whole movie. I was yeah. gonna say that earlier when I was talking about it, but man, like yeah. and the sausage fingers or hot dog fingers and stuff, like oh, it's just yeah. so like, creative. It's so creative, like yeah, and all that stuff. It's just like it's so weird. And in some ways, I wrote about this. Like this is the most comic booky movie of like the year. Cause it it very much is like a comic book or graphic novel fucking movie. And just like the weird shit that they do. And it works. And I, I hope it wins golden globes. It's nominated for six. And I, I mean, I hope it gets everything that's coming to it. And I'm sorry. I came to this late in the year because I could have used this pick me up earlier, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's my number one, everything everywhere all at once by large margin. Do you guys have any other just like honorable mentions to just toss yeah. in? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Go. Um, yeah. Again, mine, again, my, my rule set is like theatrical experiences that were in unique or had an interesting development story or it caught me in, in a unique way. So my fourth was Nope, um, oh, which yeah. we talked about here in Podcast X. And the reason is it's like that film, like something about it, like really just captured my. It, I find it moments, so many moments of it is so gripping and it really captured my imagination, especially. And I was going to use it to elevate a point about one of the other films I was talking about, but like the, the shit with those wide shots, those long, long angled wide shots where, where you see like the thing moving in the clouds and it's silent, but you, you feel the shock of it. Right. And it's like yeah. that, how gripping that is describes like fucking all of avatar really when you think yeah. about it. Um, and so I, felt, I, I actually, the more I think about that film, the more I love it. And to me, it's my favorite Jordan Peele film, which may be weird. Cause like, I really yeah, do. Get love, Out is uh, so good. I love yeah. Get Out. Yeah, us is like, ah, I don't like it too much, but but Get Out is pretty special. But this movie, I don't know, something about it. And of course, you know, I'll, people will say like, oh, it's the horse connection. You grew up on a ranch. But no, it's not that. It's the fucking, it's more of the signs connection of it all. Like the scene from Signs with the birthday party and the thing walking yeah. by, you hear that crazy sound. Like this movie's full of that. And while I don't love all the flashbacks to the, the chimpanzee part of it, I forget, the flag, yeah. I forget his name at this point. I didn't love that stuff. But the on the farm stuff, with Daniel's character and and the UFO part of it and that whole thing and Kiki Palmer like that I just I fucking loved it so uh, that to me was an amazing theatrical theatrical experience um, more than Jordan Peele's other works and I'm not it doesn't always have to be spectacle but um, like you know I didn't love everything everywhere all at once for the spectacle of it it was more the heart that carried me through that um, yeah but uh, I don't know nope, nope nope for some reason just really stands out for me. That, uh, yeah, I mean, Nope is still, I still think about the, seeing that in a theater and the sound of the screaming, like, oh yeah, like that, that is still just as a way to sort of track it. That was still, uh, is still just like pretty terrifying. 
I had uh, I had two extra ones on my just kind of and I don't need to unpack these, but I had Jackass Forever on there because like that was one of the last movies that I saw when I was living up in Montreal. And I actually just like thoroughly enjoyed that, even though I haven't seen it. Like, I'm not like a huge Jackass guy. Like, I don't know. You know, like that's not even true. Like, yeah, I mean, I've (laughs) kind of been I've sort of been with it. Like, I I wouldn't say that I'm like fans of the individual personalities or anything. But when I. Whenever they do a new movie, I always sort of feel like, you know, I'll go see it. And I I do just like laugh my ass off during it. And there is one yeah. sequence in particular in that movie with like that takes place in in like the dark that is still one of the funniest kind of just gag setups I've like I've ever seen in a movie. It's just it's so <laughs> clever and it's it's really, really funny. Um so, I mean, I know that's kind of a weird one. It's obviously not like a great movie, but it is a great jackass movie for people who, you know, who have enjoyed oh, those boy. movies. Um, and my other one was Violent Night kind of randomly. Like I have a bunch of artsy things oh, that, you know, that. we've seen for critic screenings and everything that, you know, maybe we'll talk a bit more about when we get closer to awards season. But but Violent Night was also just like, I don't know. And that might be recency bias on my part, like Kofi says, but I don't know that that movie I think is going to become and Kofi mentioned this last time. I feel like it's going to become a bit of a holiday tradition for me to watch that movie now. Like I keep telling people about it. I keep sort of sending people to go to go see it. I think my father-in-law and I are going to watch it sometime in the next week over at his house. And I'm, I'm excited to watch it again. I I think David Harbour was really fun in that. And, um, you know, as honorable mentions, these two were just sort of goofy add ons at the end, but I, I really liked them. I enjoyed them both. So, uh, um, any honorable mentions? Yeah, my honorable mention number one was Barbarian. Like I said, uh, yeah, Barbarian. I got great. to. I, really I trekked out to see this movie premiere at Comic Con by myself, and it was not a packed theater. People knew very little about it, and I remember you saying that, like, yeah, because like no one really, yeah, like no, you didn't nobody, even really know what was, yeah, no. I Jim Biscardi assigned me the shit, and I it was I was supposed to go to some You're parties like, and stuff. I was just like, yeah, fine, yeah. exactly. So I went out all the way to like the mall and shit like and went and saw barbarian and the director and justin long were there for like a q a and i and i had never seen i stopped watching i don't watch trailers anymore because i just don't want to because it's just yeah. better for me to go into a movie and be like oh, okay well i hope this is gonna be good i mean i do yeah. it for like assignments and i just hope for the best but um yeah i had no idea what this movie was like no idea what it was about and I just went in and watched it, and I was like, by the end, I was like, holy shit, like, that was actually a good horror movie, and what the fuck was that? Like, what the fuck? And I had a feeling in my bones, I was like, it's been a long time since I've had this feeling, but I feel like there's going to be, I love cult hit movies. I love when a movie becomes yeah. a cult hit. And Barbarian has been that. And there's been plenty of other horror films released this year, but this is the one that I, I've been like, forgive the term, but like in the streets when I'm out or if I'm at like out in social events, a restaurant or a bar or something like that lately. And I kind of eavesdrop people's conversations and I hear them talking about entertainment. That's the movie that I've been hearing people just word of mouth being like whispering each other, like, holy shit, have you seen that like movie? Especially since it was on HBO Max. Like, have you seen that barbarian movie? Oh my God, that's just crazy. Don't read anything about it. Just like go see it or just like press play, like start watching it. And people like love it and it's become a big hit. And uh, I love the cult hit movie that just earns its way, like just 
yeah. from like a quality of what it is. And it is one of the more enjoyable and kind of thoroughly enjoyable and, and inventive and novel horror movies that I've seen in years. So uh, Zach Kreger, you know, and company did a great job on like a small budget, has some great actors in it. Justin Long does a great job. Um, I think her name's Teresa Campbell, the girl, the girl from fucking Krypton, who oh yeah played, yeah. Uh, yeah the younger Zod, uh, Lyra Zod or whatever her name was, yeah, yeah and uh, Bill Skarsgård, and it's just a small crew of people, and it's a small story, but it's scary as shit, and some pretty wild things that you will never forget happen in this movie, and uh, yeah, so Barbarian was my honorable mention, and um, try to think if I had another one. There's been a lot of crazy movies. I think Prey, I, I would say Prey was this, the same yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I would say that too. Dark Horse, Dark Horse movie came out of nowhere. Like when we just started seeing like it was coming out. I mean, I, I, I wish like Spider-Man No Way Home, we could they could have gotten from planning to execution of just making it a, a secret sequel or a secret prequel. And just, yeah. like, just kept like doing some basic advertising and not just told us anything. And then we sat down and watched it and been like, holy shit, like... That have been cool, but like even at, even as it was, like it gave me so much renewed faith that Predator and Alien can be done as dope as film franchises in yeah. inventive storytelling and unlimited kind of range to do all kinds of different stories. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, after that, there's no excuse not to like you know toy with that idea even further of like other decades or other different things that they could do with those those characters like there's such a such a cool idea, yeah and, and they can keep it on a budget you just need like an intimate cast and a cool time yeah. period location it doesn't have to be this big bombastic thing it's it's best when it's partial horror one creature small faction of people out of yeah. time whatever right so yeah and the and human characters you actually give a shit about right like yeah, that's not uh, shame and a dog and a dog. Well, that's right. Yeah, I rewatched the Shane Black one. That one was just trash. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, I, man? That was on like I saw that streaming somewhere the other day, and I was like, whoa, man, it's a bummer. But um, separate from all of its controversy and everything. Um, all right. Well, yeah. I mean, that wraps up 2022 for us. We're going to take a little vacay, um, but we'll be back at the beginning of the year. Kofi, Rob, and I have been talking about, you know, doing some other things, maybe some bonus episodes and, and trying to, we'll, we will get around to the Project X rewatch. I know I snuck out of that one, um, but uh, I, I am excited to do that. I actually am looking forward to that. So we will. I'm looking uh, up when this movie came out right now and like, <laughs> oh, next time when it's released. It'll be like the 15 year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, time 2012 yeah 2012 this would have been we should do cut segments i said we should cut promo segments from like the original podcast oh yeah that'd be funny oh yeah yeah i still have all the old uh the old recordings i think somewhere i kept all that but um awesome well where can people find you guys on the internet mr rob keys uh, you can follow me at Rob underscore keys is K E Y E S on Twitter and fail cube on Twitch and Instagram. Uh, and you can follow my stuff on screen rant. Awesome. Uh, Rob, Rob keys, Rob keys again, <laughs> Kofi outlaw, special guest. Uh, you can find me over at comicbook.com and hosting the comic book nation podcast show. 
every Friday. Uh, so if you want to hear my uncensored, raw version of things, I'm over here at what what is Podcast X. And if you want to hear my polished and shining version, you can go check me out on Comic Book Nation. Awesome. Um, you can find me, Ben Kendrick, on Twitter at Ben Kendrick, as well as wherever else we're going to end up if Twitter collapses. Um, and uh, I'm not with Rise at 7 anymore. I'm starting a new thing at the beginning of the year. So Wait, what? Next time we talk to... Yeah, <gasps> yeah. I'm not rising at 7 and 7 anymore. Rising Dude, at I 8, just, baby. Yeah, I'm rising, I'm rising at 8.30 now. <laughs> no, I just... Uh, yeah, I'm coming back to the publishing game. I'm coming <gasps> back to the publishing game. So I'll... Uh, I'll tee that up a little bit, but uh, yeah, uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you after the podcast. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so you know we're gonna all be rivals again. It's gonna be kind of fun. This podcast is gonna be you know three different publishing networks talking guys from oh, uh, old friends. Little uh, little healthy competition again. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But. Um, yeah, so next year, talk to you guys about what I'm up to. It's nothing. I mean, it's exciting for me, but it's, you know, I'm not like starting a new website. Oh, so. you motherfuckers. We missed it. The 10-year anniversary of Project X. Of Project X. I was just looking at When did yeah. it come? At, when did, 2012. March 2nd, 2012. Ah, so fuck. We should have We should have launched the podcast with that then. <laughs> I mean, if, we, if we'd really done this the right way, we would have. Fuck it. We're going with the 11th <laughs> year anniversary. That, dude, that was the 11th. That actually is pretty fucking funny. That's like very on brand for Project X, too. It's like slackers. Uh, slackers. Funk, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, fucking, that's funny. All right. Well, so we'll see you guys all next year. Have a great uh, rest of your holidays. Um, happy New Year to you all. And we will uh, we'll see you guys in 2023.